Welcome to The Good Show. My name's Sarinda and I'm your host. This platform is dedicated to those brave men and women who serve this country and their families. On The Good Show, we discuss all aspects of military culture and lifestyle. From veteran and spouse entrepreneurship to growing up as a military kid, we'll discuss it all. These are real conversations with real people who can give the civilian world an insight into their military lives. Welcome to this week's episode. My name is Sarinda. I am your host and you are listening to The Good Show. And as you already gathered, myself and my lovely guest from Colorado Springs, Samantha Peck. Hello, Sam. Hello. We were just discussing how this is the first time I've recorded a podcast on the phone instead of sitting in oh. front of somebody and how I just changed over to the Apple phone. And um, now I, you know, I'm always 10 minutes late. I can't switch the alarm off to save my life. And I only <laughs> found out <laughs> how to hang up on people two days ago. <laughs> <sighs> We all learn at our own speed and uh, new phones are, you, you know, they're sometimes the hardest things we do through the day. I know it, it totally blows my mind and makes me feel it makes me feel kind of old, to be honest with you. So <laughs> wise in other regions, other categories. That's what matters. That is true. I'm going to tell I'm going to remind myself of that. So, Sam, <laughs> now I met you very briefly because you are such a woman on the go all the time. Um, yeah. When I came out to Colorado Springs to the um, um, Air Force Symposium, which was absolutely blew my mind because I really didn't have didn't know much about the Air Force or Space Force so yeah it's a phenomenal event I'm so glad you got to come out for it and see some of the vendors and meet some of the folks it's phenomenal what they're doing in the industry these days I know and while I was there I actually heard um was watching the local news and and that brings in something ridiculous for um for tourism in Colorado Springs of like 10 million or maybe even more than that dollars um just uh, people staying in hotels uh, I mean it's a real big boost for the the economy out there It truly is uh we have tourism is a huge part of Colorado Springs economy but that event at that time of year is uh, one of the biggest things that happens. Yeah, it, it really was quite a show. So when I came out there, I mean, I think we we got to spend what the whole of, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes together. Yeah, just about. <laughs> it was a good 10 minutes. It was a good 10 minutes. But this is what it's, you know, the, the life of a mom, you know, um, Uber mom. You've got to go when they call. You do. You do. And uh, unfortunately, our visit got broken up by one of my one of my boys who needed a, a ride. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. Family so first, right? So listen, let me ask you, I want to go back to your military career because, you know, um, it's, you know, I never know what the right thing to say anymore is because the, the, everybody's language changes so often. But you, um, when you were in the army, were a Black Hawk pilot. Is that correct? That is correct. I was a commissioned aviator and I flew Blackhawks. It was a brief part of my life. But yes, that was what I did. Now, how brief 
of part of your life was that? I mean, that just sounds um, so kind of, I, I don't know, again, I'm probably going to get into trouble, but it's kind of like sounds hot. <laughs> um, there, you know, there is a sexiness to aviation, I think, in all branches and all fields. Um, it's an exciting profession. Uh, it involves so many dynamic um, categories of expertise. And so I was grateful to do it. But I got I graduated West Point in 2004 and flight school started that summer. Uh-huh. And I, you're there for a year, you get a lot of hours while you're there. But then my first uh, duty station as an aviator was a year after that in Alaska. And so I flew and was a pilot there from uh, that time for three years. And then of course, you are an aviator through your career, but that doesn't mean you're always in a flying position. So I did did the military intelligence captain's career course. Um, and then you you move. I got stationed in Colorado after Arizona. Mm-hmm. And my positions were non-flying positions. So a few hundred hours in the Blackhawk, loved my experience there, but I served a total of seven years. And out of that seven years, really three to four years, I was flying. Now, if you wanted to continue to fly um, Blackhawks, could you have, or was it just a case of your needs, you were needed elsewhere? You know, interesting, each branch and each position and your own career path are different for everyone. Mm -hmm. But traditionally speaking, in the Army, on the commission side, Mm -hmm. the longer you serve, the less you fly. Um, You can stay RL, you know, certified where they keep so many hours under your belt to make sure you can fly. But traditionally, you're not going on all the missions. You're not in a position where you're flying daily. As you become more senior, mm-hmm. the warrant offers become more of the experts in the flying category. Not true in all branches, but true for the Army. Okay. Now, for those people that are listening that don't understand what commissioned means, what is what, what does that mean, commissioned? Yes. So, and true in in many of the U.S. military, but non-commissioned officers, NCOs, and then officers, different rank structures, different, um, you know, specialties. And Uh I don't want to uh, limit the the description because for every rule, there's a a breaking of the rule, right? Yeah. Um, But traditionally, officers handle a certain part of the military while NCOs handle a different part. And in aviation, um, NCOs were in charge of things in a different way than officers are. Okay. Uh, and the military breaks it down, uh, you know, junior up to senior rankings, and then warrant officers in the army are in the middle, where if you want to talk rank, because someone outranks someone, uh-huh. um, you know, Officers outrank warrant officers, warrant officers outrank NCOs. But everyone who's served knows that those senior NCOs are truly who's in charge. And you you really have very little ground to stand on as a junior officer. Um, but the thing that's amazing about Army aviation is the shared responsibilities. Mm-hmm. So it's one of the few sections of the U.S. Army where just because I'm a captain does not mean I'm in charge, right? I'm uh-huh. I'm assigned for the aircraft and I'm 
the officer in charge of the senior warrant that might be flying with me, but he's in charge of me being a pilot. Okay. So there's a balance there in the cockpit where you really can question, you can really, you know, not feel like the person next to you outranks you or controls you because you each have a responsibility. And so it allows communication and safety to be at a higher level than proven in some other cultures or how aviation is broken down. Okay, let's go back to um, before Army. What made you gravitate towards that branch? Yeah, Um, so when I was a kid, I was a swimmer. Uh, Grew up in Pennsylvania. Uh, My dad was a coal miner, and uh, my mom, uh, first, second-generation Lebanese uh, immigrant, And they met in Western PA. And as I moved, uh, we got into swimming because the only family we knew, (laughs) their kids swam. And in the process, I ended up doing pretty well at it. And I met a swim coach and his name was David Reardon. And he's one of those mentors as a kid that you just don't forget. They have a big impact on your life. Mm -hmm. Um, How he treated kids, how he treated families, how he coached, how he pushed, but how he supported his his whole approach to coaching youth sports affected me in a way that I truly admired him and respected him. And he brought up, I was about 12 years old and said, you know, you should go to West Point. You would do well in the military. And I took him seriously and said, you know what, then I will. And um, when I was 14, he passed away of cancer. And I felt like, you know what, I told Dave I was going to do this and I'm going to do it. So I went through the process and I got in and that started the ball rolling. Now, was anybody in your family in the military? Uh, So my, both my grandfathers served. Um, My mother's father, who was Lebanese, mm-hmm. um, you know, speaks, writes Arabic that uh, that connected to his culture. Uh, he served during the Korean War time, um, but then my grandmother on my dad's side was a whack, and I actually have a photo of her framed. Oh, wow. She didn't serve, yeah, she didn't serve very long because her husband, my grandfather, was overseas in World War II and was actually a POW. Uh, so he wrote back to her and said, I don't want you to serve. Please resign. So, um, yeah, so I have family service at that level. But my father, who has recently passed, always wanted to serve. And uh, he had bad knees from football injuries. And at the time, that was an absolute no for service. As you decided... Uh, to go into the army and were there at that time or were there a lot of females in as well yeah so you know army and west point academies rotc different ways you you enter the service uh-huh. have different ratios and they're they're changing uh, it, you know which is a beautiful thing yeah but at west point when i went in i don't know what we made up at one percent, at some point during my time at West, but I want to say my class, we had 10% women. It might have been up to 15. But now I believe, please, listeners, 
it's something like 30 percent okay uh, and the attrition is high so the numbers shift so we went in as a class once again it was about 1265 something in there was my starting number mm-hmm. and we graduated 940 something 950 so could be off by a few numbers yeah but it's it uh, we don't need to date you know exactly yeah. but it's been it's been a <laughs> it's been a a little bit of time since I've looked at those numbers, but it's definitely changing. And there weren't um, a ton of women. A good way to think of it is in every company, there's 120 some um, cadets at the time, you know, they keep classes, they try, they hope to graduate a thousand ish per class. Yeah. And in my company, I want to say there were five female firsties out okay. of you know one fourth of the of the men so somewhere between three to six females per class um and less at times because i want to say the freshmen when i was a senior only had three freshmen in our class um or in our company so you know they're they working to make sure those numbers do a better job, job yeah. of matching uh, the American society. Now, as when you left West Point and you went over to the army, you went through basic training. So basic training. Uh, so interesting. And I believe some of this has changed over the years, but when I went to West Point, your plebe summer, uh-huh. which mimics traditional basic training in some ways, and also West Point tradition in other ways counts as your basic training. So okay. that happens, you know, However you choose to enter West Point, it happens that first summer. And then when you graduate, you go into your branch. So there's, um, you know, a branch night where cadets put in for their branches and you go by rank on what you get and what goes out first. It's a very exciting evening. And then aviators don't pick their uh, location or their post because you then go to flight school for, you know, anywhere from just under a year to a year and a half. Some people, it can take even longer. Mm-hmm. But while you're at flight school, they rank you and break you into certain sections that are going to graduate at times, classes. And then uh, you pick based off your rank once you know your aircraft. So we didn't, aviators didn't pick locations, but other cadets too, do uh, once they have their branch night. Okay. So then you go there. Now they've added other courses. So now as officers, whether it's West Point or ROTC, there are some basic courses that have to happen Uh after graduation before you go in that um, I don't believe mimic uh, basic, but it is a little more rigorous of a program than when I went through. Now i you know, that is very particular from my experience. I do have close friends that are Naval Academy grads, and the wife uh, was chose to go Marines upon uh-huh. graduation and be a Marine officer. She did have to go back and do a second basic training as a Marine. Okay. Okay. I see. Well, that yeah. was, that's got to suck. <laughs> right. <laughs> she was very proud to be a Marine. And if you know Marines, they are incredibly proud of how they do things the hardest possible way. So, <laughs> so uh, 
Um, More power to the pain, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, now, how long has it been since you uh, have been separated from the the service? So I, uh, when I got stationed in Colorado, that was '09, uh-huh. and I served here the remaining of of my time. So um, I was working as the, the rear D for for ID here. Mm-hmm. And so when I got out, um, it was March-ish of, let me make sure, of 11. Okay. Um, and then you, I still had a year or two that, you know, reserves could have called. So technically my complete service was up in 2013. Um, by the time, you know, you work through the months and the leave time and things like that. So, uh, but actual last day in uniform uh, was in 2011. Okay. So it's been, it's been some time. It has. Now, have you stayed in yeah. touch with anybody that you worked with? Oh, yeah. I mean, um, you know, as, <laughs> as. I don't want to say bad, but as uh, negative sometimes as social media outlets can be, and uh, they definitely bring some problems. They also do allow you to find people, connect with people, and mm-hmm. and stay in touch. So I am very fortunate that I still get to follow the lives of some of the people that meant a great deal to me while I served. So we're in Facebook groups or you get a message from time to time with questions or memories. Mm -hmm. And then there are folks that once in a blue moon will reach out to you. Um, There are still friends that show up or call or visit. And, you know, you, you start families, you move, your careers change. And yeah, those visits become a little harder to make, but just to get the, Hey, was thinking of you. It's a big day today. uh, It's nice. Let's you feel. Yeah, it is nice. Um, now, is there anybody that you worked with in the, in the military that, um, that you, that you think about today and you think, man, you know, I really didn't like that person at the time, but they really helped shape (laughs) where I am today. Yeah. Um, you know, there are, I have some great memories of good and bad, um, leaders, people who affected me, um, pros and cons. Uh-huh. I had good and bad experiences that, you know, we could take hours talking about, but I will tell you there is someone, and by no means, um, I'll give you one closer to your question. Uh, I had a mentor and I won't say that, um, he, by any means, he was a, he was a bad leader. He was a phenomenal leader, mm-hmm. but we butted heads occasionally. We had difference of opinions on some things, but I always went to him for advice. I always respected his advice. And I will tell you something about the military that I found great was that you could really behind closed doors have a pretty heated discussion. Um, but then it was done. Once mm-hmm. you guys came to a conclusion, the answer decision was made. You got right to the mission. There was a respect there about it. Um, and so my mentor's name was Ben Carter. And he was one of the greatest pilots I ever flew with. And he taught me a lot about how to do things, how Mm -hmm. to approach things, how to think for a while, you know, keep your mouth shut when you can. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But when you do speak, do it the right way in the right setting. Yeah. He had a phenomenal way about him. And 
Um, I think we honestly butted heads from time to time because he wanted what's best for me and wanted to see my career flourish. And uh, sometimes I did things the hard way when you're young, when you're in your early 20s. Um, you sometimes make all the wrong choices. And it's a tough thing the military does to put so much on someone while their brains are still developing. Mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> and But he, he was phenomenal. And I do, I think some days there are moments where I remember um, some of the times we, was some scary situations and also where, uh, where he taught me something like, yeah, what would, what would Ben do right now? Or that's not how he would approach things. So he crosses my mind quite a bit. Is Ben still around? So Ben and I have shared an email once or twice when I was still in, even once we were not flying together. Um, but I am close friends with a couple that are close friends with him and his family. And so I get to see from time to time that they get together. He uh, went on to teach uh, be an instructor back at Fort Rucker, I believe. And whether he's still contracted in that position or not but um we really we don't connect or or stay uh, yeah you know there was when i uh chose to be a mom um you know not everyone loves that story for you and uh <laughs> yeah. and that can that can just change relationships yeah. but he's someone i always hold dear to life lessons that live with me he was the best mentor I could ever ask for. It's crazy as I've been talking to a lot of uh, service members, you know, and I ask them, well, was there somebody that, you know, in the service? It is uh, amazing to me that um, one person, whoever that person is, years down the road, you know, um, people sit down and they always have that fond look on their face that, oh, there was this one guy that I absolutely <laughs> did not like, but, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, yeah, and it, it, it's, um, it, it amazes me that that just, just that one person many years later can still have that kind of effect, you know, um, because this is the environment where you meet, where I think you have a tendency more so to meet that person that's going to help mould you. It's not normally in yeah. the corporate world, because the corporate world is somewhat short-lived, don't you think? Yes, and I also think you're constantly, it's a bigger community, typically. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the changes over decades, when the in my grandparents' day and even into my parents' day, a lot of people would start a career and stay with that company through retirement. And yeah. now when I left the military, I want to say the data was the average person changed careers five times. And I would tell you if that study was done today, which it might be right. I haven't looked into that, but it's probably six, seven, eight career yes. changes. Yeah. So yeah, you're, you're, uh, that kind of staying with one group and then the military breaks you down into grouping so it's you really do stay connected with a lot of people based mm -hmm. on how small that is yeah so don't get that necessarily in the civilian world in the same way now talking about the civilian world and your work in the civilian world you know you're a board member with warrior um saber you're yeah. um, a board member with the fire foundation the 
um, the South Colorado Women's Chamber of Commerce. You're secretary for West Point Society of the uh, uh, Pikes Peak region, ambassador for Mount Carmel and Greater Pueblo Chamber of Commerce, and you're a mother of three. So, and um, you're a, a powerlifter. Is that correct? You're a powerlifter. So with doing all of this, when do you actually get time just to sit and go, ah, uh, <laughs> take a load um, off. Yes, we all have to make time, right, <laughs> for ourselves. Uh, so, a lot of it's about balance. It's about prioritizing and planning and organizing uh, your life a certain way. And I think there's never enough time for all the things we want. But if you prioritize, then what really needs to get done does. And I, you know, there's so many famous quotes out there about time, right? It's not that you yeah. don't have enough time. It's, it's you will find time when things matter. And so my family and serving the community are, are what matter to me. So you find and make time for all those things. And um, I, I, the two boards that I'm involved in right now currently are the Fire Foundation and Warrior Saber and both phenomenal causes. Mm -hmm. And I would, wouldn't have it any other way. And my time with the Women's Chamber when I sat on that board uh, was amazing what they do for the community. And I've sat on other boards. I sat on the Epic Pueblo board, which if you want to talk about a passion or a mission that I love, uh, in addition to Warrior Saber, that would, that would be one of them. But there are just so many beautiful things. And, uh, you know, you don't want to walk away saying I didn't help or give yeah. or do, yeah. uh, it feels good. It feels good to see your community grow. Do you still spend a lot of time in the gym? I do. I make sure, you know, on a bad week, I get four workouts in and on a good week, I get six. Um, I don't have a bodybuilding show coming up. I've done a few local ones and done well or not so well, but I've done them. And I try to pick a time frame because it's quite a number of weeks, few months commitment to prep for one, but I still train. I still work on how I eat. I still uh, try to make sure that I'm growing in the gym. So it's a part of my life and uh, I'm a disabled vet. I have some injuries that mm -hmm. kind of don't allow me to do the things I used to do. So if I'm not in the gym, I worry that I won't maintain like the pain of some of the injuries I have to my spine and to my knees will overtake me if yeah. I don't keep the rest of me healthy. So why you train changes as you get older, but it's still, it's a huge part of my mental health too, is to, oh. to put that time in. Yeah. I've, I've been talking to a lot of vets where, you know, I, and I think, you know, uh, for everybody, you should be in a, you know, you should get some kind of movement in, I'm not going to call it a workout, but there should be some kind of movement, you know? Um, and a lot of vets that I've spoken to have told me recently that, that the workout is a is a very important part of their daily routine because that is what gets them set for their day, um, puts them on the right path. So, um, yeah, yeah the, you know, uh, well, four workouts a week is a bad week. I mean. I think I'm at your. <laughs> I think I'm at your bad weeks. Well, <laughs> Every week's a bad week for me. <laughs> you know, it's it's habit and patterns for yeah. people. It's hard to break your habits. Yes. And I started as an athlete when I was about ten. That's when I started swimming. Um, and it starts with an hour, three days a week, and the next thing you know, you move to the next level, and you're doing 
you know, an hour, five days a week and Mm -hmm. then two and then three. And, you know, there was a point when I was competing before, right before West Point, where you're doing high school and club practices and lifting. So you're committing five hours a day. And so, yeah, so you, you create these habits and these patterns for yourself and then you find a way to keep those true to you if they feel good. And so that's what's happened to me. It's just always some kind of fitness goal, some kind of, you know, I wanted to run a marathon. So that was something I did a half iron that like you just set something out there and then yeah. break it down to work towards it. And it keeps your habit in check. So I don't really do it for the competition. I do it because it supports a habit for my health. So uh, yeah, I, I I remember saying to somebody once that, you know, the the side effect of working out is that you look good. Yeah. <laughs> that that is a good a good way to put it. It's you know it's more about the brain, the hormones, yeah, uh, overall health. Feel good. It yeah. feels good inside. Yeah. Now I want to talk to you about Warrior Saber. Um, yeah. Now tell me about um, Warrior Saber, its mission, um, how you guys you know recognize uh, veterans that are continuing to serve. Oh yeah. So. I absolutely love this organization. It's one of the favorite um, experiences or, or uh, organizations that I've had the chance to get involved with. And so what Warrior Saber is, is this idea that we, in the nonprofit world, in, in community and service, we often prioritize fixing a problem. So and there are so many good charities that do, right? But how can we reduce veteran suicide? How can we reduce domestic violence? How can we help the homeless or provide food when there's already a problem? Uh-huh. But in our brains and in science, we we know that when you focus on things that are not good, often, you know, you're putting your time and energy into what's not good. But can you shift your focus and do things that are good, promote things that are good, put yourself around people that are good and grow that way. And I just love that theory. So Warrior Saber's mission is to honor veterans that after serving in any branch, uh, still serve their community today, doing good things uh, that follow kind of the values of service. So it could be anything from mentoring you sports to how they work in their own career, supporting their team and continuing to lead or continuing to set positive examples. Uh, and it can be, you know, any branch. So Air Force, Navy, Coast Guard, Marines, you name it. Uh, and it's all about that idea that the values of being a veteran and the, the positive reasons why veterans choose to serve to support community and country still exists even when you hang up your uniform yes and i just think it spreads good that's what it does and i i think it's just this little ripple of a beautiful butterfly effect is kind of how i think of it i agree with you um because i think that there are so many veterans that once you take the uniform on off you're still it's it's still inherent in you that you continue to live you know be a good citizen yes yeah and um it lets the transition be easier as well it's hard to 
lead that kind of lifestyle. And there are so many now, especially with technology, you can watch all the funny comedians and memes about serving to switching to being a civilian and what that is like. And it's everyone's journey is different, but there, there is something that is hard to explain about an emptiness when you leave service and seeing these veterans find ways to continue to spread that level of good helps other veterans see how they themselves can make a really positive, healthy transition. So, you know, I, I just, I think it's a beautiful cause to be able to thank someone for being a really good human. Now, Sean Wentz. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, do you know why Sean walked along this path to 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 um, put this organization together? Did something happen mm-hmm. where um, he just thought, okay, we need to put this into play? You know, Sean has some so impressive, crazy stories, and um, I'm sure there's so much about his journey that he could give you 20 personal reasons, especially the loss of, of peers. I mean, there is not someone who's served that doesn't have a peer that killed themselves. Um, yeah, we all do. Every veteran knows someone. And, uh, I, I really think almost every human knows someone, but in, in service, you know, there's so much that happens and there we're working to improve the quality of care that comes during and after service, but there have been voids and I watched it through my career of support. Mm -hmm. So I know that Sean has probably seen and been through so much of that. What I love about Sean is he is the most humble and kind hearted guy you can meet. And um, he found me through social media. So another, you know, here I am. uh, I'm not someone who thinks (laughs) all good things come from social media because I know way better it can be a very scary and dangerous uh technology but he found me through that and that's how he offered me a chance to learn about warrior saber and his passion for it and why he started it and i just loved it and um i sit on i help the united way i'm not on their board but i help go through applications because you know the united way gives out huge grants yes and so you get to examine all these nonprofits in Colorado Springs. I don't know if this fact is still true, but when I started getting involved in the Colorado Springs community, the Colorado Springs has the largest nonprofit population per capita in the United States. Okay. I don't know if that is still 100% true. Yeah, but it we have tons and tons of phenomenal nonprofits. But what I learned is that as you're getting into them, you're reading into their books, you're studying their mission, their finances, what they accomplish. Sometimes it's like, you know, the Roman Empire. They take on more and more and more. They try to have, uh, you know, this so complex, uh, crazy mission that does all the things for all the people. And what I love about Warrior Saber is it is so simple. Mm -hmm. It is so meaningful. Um, It's, it's clean and easy and leaves a positive touch. And I think sometimes in life we complicate everything we do. And if we yes. would just simplify it a little, yep. the, the world could just maybe exhale a little easier. Yes. And that's what Warrior Saber does for me. You know, a little breath of fresh air. 
You know, it's funny because when I first went on this journey of talking to foundations, charities, causes that are all pro-military, uh, you know, there were a couple of times I thought, well, why doesn't, you know, why have we got so many foundations? Why doesn't everybody just get together, make one big one and be done with it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, um, yeah. I realized that um, just what you said, you know, sometimes it's best just to keep it simple. Yeah. Um Focus on one great cause, not try to fulfill all of them. Just, you know, put all your energy into that. And, you know, that will be of more value moving forward than trying to, you know, figure everybody's stuff out and what else can we cover? What else can we cover? You know? Um, yep. Now, if people wanted to make a, a donation, if they wanted to find out more about Warrior Saber, what is your um, website? Yes. So it's warriorsaber.org. Uh -huh. It should be one of the first things that pop up in a search. Okay. Um, and you can donate there. There's information there. You can read a little Sean's story and some of the other board members. You can also see some examples of folks that were presented as Saber and also how to apply. So uh, whether you want to donate, and by the way, uh, you know, this is a, a nonprofit that all the every dollar donated is either going to the saber or to someone from this team maybe flying to present the saber and help with a big presentation we don't there's not paid staff uh, so okay. you know everything yeah. you donate is going to someone to receive a saber in a very honorable and special way that matches who they are so um it's a great website you can read more about sean and i just want to mention sean's one of those leaders that he, um, like, right, you know, I sit on his board. I'm here to help serve his mission. But when I'm going through things, he's one of those leaders that checks in on me, like, will send a text and say, thought about you today, want to make sure you're good. Recently going through the death of my father in a very unexpected way, he's just a very, for someone who's a Marine, he's a very <laughs> compassionate leader. And so it's, it matches his personality to have created this kind of organization. Well, I think that sounds wonderful. And we're going to have uh, the Warrior Saber logo on our website as well. And people yeah. can click through and um, make a donation that way as well. Listen, I have to ask you before you go. Yeah. Um, and this is one of those questions I didn't tell you I was going to ask you. Okay. But um, <laughs> a little birdie tells me that you've been going on a lot of dates recently. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually not been going on a lot of dates. Um, so I have been single for a decade and, uh, I, really a decade, you know, a decade. Yes. A decade. And, um, on the days that I don't have the boys, when I, a few years ago, I did try to date and meet someone, you know, we, I think there's that spot in, in your heart where people want a partner in life. Uh -huh. And, uh, I thought I wanted that. So you, you know, how you, how I met my ex-husband is not how you meet people nowadays. So uh -huh. <laughs> you try all the things. And I mean, I, I tried the things and um, they were some of the worst experiences you could ever <laughs> have. I, I mean, you can't make it up kind of funny stories. And it's a, a people know me in town for having the worst date stories in the whole world. So they, you know, I'm, I keep many of my friends married because anytime they're having a bad day, I can tell them a bad date story. And they're like, I'll just stay married. That's way better than that. Uh, yeah. So 
a little humor to, to the modern dating world. But recently I've just, you know, with the kids and all the commitments and then just, you can only have so many bad experiences when you're like, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe this is a time in my life where I'm supposed to be by myself. So uh, it's been no dating for me for over a year. I think um, probably getting getting close to two years now that I haven't actively, um, you know, been putting myself out there. So uh, I can say that it's way less drama. <laughs> well, you, you know, something that what's sad is that I have a girlfriend of mine who's been separated for a while and she went through that whole, um, you know, how everybody dates these days is on um, on a piece of technology, you know, so yes. she's swiping left, swiping right or whichever way you're meant to swipe. I don't even yeah. know, <laughs> you know, and, and I looked at some of the responses that she got to some of the other sites and I just thought, seriously? Now, listen, guys, yeah. to those guys that are listening, you know, those pictures that you always send of a certain part of your anatomy. We don't want that picture. We don't. No, you don't. It's, we we know what that picture. Yeah, we know what that part of your anatomy looks like. <laughs> oh, I, I, you know, and I don't want to blame all men. No, no. My male friends have had terrible dating experiences, yes, too. With yes. Women, and it goes across, uh, you know, all sectors of romance. <laughs> Yep. to have horrible <laughs> stories. Um, so we are not limited. But what woman out there in the heterosexual community told some guy she loves that and started this trend is just, you know, we uh, need to find her and, yes. and make her take it back because it's, um, yeah, I've gotten more of those than any person should in a lifetime. And so yeah. uh, for all the other women out there, you're not alone. It's a, it's a rough go. Um, and... <laughs> I will tell you, not just the apps. I've tried. I once tried a matchmaking site. I can tell you that was horrible. <laughs> absolutely horrible. A girlfriend of mine once created a profile for me. She said I was a bad picker and she was going to pick for me. Also horrible. Oh so, my gosh. you know, you, you just can't win. I think uh, I look forward to seeing the data on dating yeah. and why it's gotten this way at some point. Is it instant gratification, the needing to have someone talk to you all the time. So now you got to balance 20 women and you never really form a connection or vice versa. Uh, I don't know, but it's, it's too exhausting for me. So I've, I've given up, thrown in the towel, hung up my jacket. I'm yeah. out. <laughs> my, my, my girlfriend ended up doing the same thing. She's just like, what is it? Listen to some of you guys that are listening. We Again, we just want to say this. We know it's not for every guy out there. And we know that you yeah. guys get bad experiences too. But as my girlfriend said, and I'm just going to pass the message along to you guys. <laughs> there are only so many poses you can do with it. <laughs> You true, know, true. so let's be realistic yeah. with it, you know. Yeah, um. especially when you're just dating. Like, I haven't even met you. Why are you? <laughs> like, I have to like you as a person before I like that part of you. So please. <laughs> yeah. Uh, There's yeah, nothing like pushing the envelope. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Sam. Oh. It has been wonderful having you on here today. Um, oh. Was there anything that I should have asked you that I didn't, that you wanted me to? We just went off on a whole yeah, dating we tangent. Did our own thing, 
the one thing I, when you asked me the question about someone who affected me, yes, I did want to mention, I have one other, I had a commander, um, and she, her name was Alicia Dietz. Her, she, her name is Alicia Dietz. And um, they, in the aviation world at that time, there weren't that many females. Um, in a whole battalion, there were, you know, three commissioned and maybe two to four more warrants at the time max out of all these, uh, you know, that flew. And um, she was my commander. And they, there was this big, oh, can two women work together? Because I was the executive officer and that's, the, you know, and the first sergeant or the three that kind of meet at the top of the company and this big drama in the battalion that we would do terrible together because women can't work together. And, and it was awful. Working for her was the greatest experience I had in the military. Oh. And it was, a, I was not trying. Um, she was one of the very best leaders I had ever experienced. And she left me totally changed. Um, and this was during don't ask, don't tell. Uh-huh. Uh, so I didn't know that her partner was a woman, did uh-huh. not know. Um, but she approached everything with kindness and intelligence and work ethic. And we led a maintenance company that was very difficult. That's where a lot of aviators go when they can't be do their traditional mission. They can't work on aircrafts or whatever. And um a lot of times you get soldiers that are struggling. Uh-huh. So we had a lot of disciplinary things. The craziest stories I could tell you come from my time working with her, but she handled it with grace and collaboration and brilliance. And she was just phenomenal. She opened my eyes about a lot of things. And uh, I just want to make sure that I don't mention Ben, who was also an amazing mentor, but I you know, you get so many opportunities to learn and lead from someone. Mm-hmm. And those two taught me to keep your eyes open because someone next to you is, has the ability to teach you something great. So uh, I just didn't want to hang up the interview without mentioning how big of an influence she was on me. Oh, no, I know. I'm, I'm glad that you did. And if anybody out there knows or knows of a relative of Commander Alicia Dietz, now you can let them know. What an impact she made. Because I always yeah. also think it's important for them to know, you know. Sometimes I think people just wander off through life not really knowing whether they they made a difference or not to somebody yeah. else. Or well, not. I know she flew. She flew in the Coast Guard for a while and she was very into uh, wood making and did a beautiful veterans project. And oh, wow. some people send in stories. Yeah, she's, you know, I see her on social media from time to time, but she doesn't use it very often. But um. Just one of those people that really taught me about how to do things the right way. And so uh, I'm grateful to her. Well, then she should definitely be acknowledged. Sam, it has been great having you on the show. I just want to thank you for taking the time to get these stories out, not just for Warrior Saber and what what we do, but also uh, the other stories you're sharing. I think you it's a great mission to make sure these kind of organizations are getting heard and shared and and uh thank you for just you know your family's service and for you just protecting uh a kind of community and lifestyle that does a lot for our communities well thank you and i'm having a lot of pleasure listening to everybody's stories and some of them i just can't put out there because they're really a little bit wackadoodle but um (laughs) (laughs) you know i've got to protect the innocent Um, (laughs) but um no Listen, um, 
I'm going to put the logo on our webpage so everybody can go there and make a little donation. Um, Please give our kindest regards to Sean. At some point, we'd like to we'd like to get him on the podcast as well. Okay, yeah, he would definitely be entertaining. He's got some great stories. Perfect. Oh, look, here's another call trying to come through. Uh, you know, okay. this, this is what happens when you, you can't figure out your Apple phone. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, we will talk again soon. It's been a pleasure having okay. you on and um, you, you take care. You too. Thanks for listening to today's show. Press that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. Leave me that review so we can get more pro-military folks involved with growing this platform. If you've got a story to tell and you want to be on the show, then go to my website, thegoodshow.com. That's G-O-O-D-E show.com. Press the contact button and drop me an email. My name's Sarinda. I'm your military gal, and I'm out. <laughs>